American Presidential Museum, opened in Springfield in 2005, presents an unparalleled use of technology to tell the story of history. Critics refer to it as a forest of rubber Lincolns and Disneyland paraphernalia. Admirers say it's the only way to reach a new generation. What do you think? We'll hear more about this from the man who helped design the museum, Thomas Schwartz, Illinois State Historian, when we return on Civil War Talk Radio. How much time each day do you spend managing your personal or business calendar? 15 minutes, a half an hour, maybe more. Is the conference room available for next week's meeting? And how many people do you have to ask to find out? Have you ever misplaced or, worse yet, lost your day planner or handheld device? And what do you do about that missing information? Do you own or operate a salon or carpet cleaning business? How about a realty office or any one of a thousand other service-based organizations? Can your customers make their appointments even when your office is closed? If any of this sounds familiar, then Schedule Online is the solution for you. For more information, call toll-free 888-668-3355. That's 888-668-3355. Or visit us online at www.schedulonline.com. Before we return to our riveting drama, our sponsor insists that we listen to a radio show about television. I'm Jim Benson, host of A Different Sort, as I direct you toward a galaxy of TV memories guaranteed to leave you spellbound while I present many of the greatest legends in television history on the TV Time Machine, every Wednesday beginning at 4 p.m. right here on World Talk Radio. World Talk Radio, bringing the world to you. To speak with our show hosts or guests during the live show, call us toll-free in North America, 888-514-2100. Everywhere else, call 001-858-268-3068. This is Jerry Prokopovich with Civil War Talk Radio. My guest today is Thomas Schwartz. Illinois State Historian, and the Chief Historical Consultant on the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Museum that opened in 2005. Tom, let me, uh, I, I want to return in just a moment to our discussion of what stories the museum tells, but let me start by dredging up a more painful memory for you, which I know you'll enjoy. Uh, the story of who directs the museum and uh, the the candidates who were at one time named as possible directors. Uh, Illinois is a state known for its political history, going back to Lincoln and Douglas, uh, to the years of Mayor Daley. Uh, it's a colorful place, and the museum didn't escape Illinois politics. What happened there? Well, <laughs> and I know you want to keep your job, so you want to tread carefully, but... Uh, no, there. I mean, one of the things that... Uh, was discussed in the press was um, a uh, an attempt by a previous uh, administration to place um, close associates in um, various positions, but particularly the director's position uh, was was being discussed as um, 
being reserved for uh, the chief of staff. This was the now, governor's chief of the, staff. The governor's chief of staff, correct. Who is um, not a historian. Uh, no. Now, it was an allegation. I mean, it, it, uh, people need to understand that there has never been any uh, smoking gun to show that it, in fact, was um, uh, something that, that uh, was seriously discussed. What, what gave it currency was that uh, the previous uh, governor never would outright deny the possibility um, would say that no, you know, I, I, that I, I'm not going to, uh, you know, I haven't decided to name him uh, director, but I think he would make a fine director. And so, with, with that kind of statement, obviously, people um, in Illinois um, assume, well, this is a done deal. Um, there's a great deal of. Um, uh, uh, ink spilled in the press. Uh, Richard Norton Smith, who had been um, considering um, uh, the position, if it had been offered, withdrew his name. And um, then immediately um, there was a uh, more uh, press uh, outrage and a blue ribbon panel was created um, a search was done nationwide, um, and uh, a, an offer was was made uh, at the very end of um, the uh, governor's, uh, the previous governor's administration, uh, to Harold Holzer, who, after looking at the situation, declined to accept the position. Then, with um, the uh, the new governor, uh, the current governor, Governor Rod Blagojevich, he went did a national search and and uh, selected Richard Norton Smith, uh, who uh, has really done a wonderful job with with his being named. All of the previous controversy disappeared, and uh, whatever questions had been raised about. Uh, the uh, leadership of this institution um, uh, have also evaporated. Everyone, there's unanimity that uh, he is an excellent uh, director. He's operated for the Presidential Libraries Museum. Uh, has set up the Robert Dole Center at the University of Kansas, and so his credentials are uh, are impeccable. I, I don't think anyone can question that it is a happy ending to that story. That Richard Norton Smith is certainly. Uh, if he's not qualified to run a presidential museum, then nobody is. And uh, so things did work out for the best in the end. And as you, well, obviously he accepted the offer after declining the the initial one when things were still perhaps more controversial. But but things worked out well, and you now have someone who is trained in the field, recognized in the field, an expert in in what he does, and. Uh, the Lincoln world, uh, the historical world, breathes a sigh of relief that uh, whether it was likely or not, there there is no uh, political. Uh, see, I don't work for the state. I can say it: a political hack uh, <laughs> filling the role of, of museum director and reducing it to a, uh, a feather bed where former politicians can can draw pay for not doing anything. Yeah. So it's it's worked out well. 
also, uh, you want to be sure as, to do as you've done to mention uh, uh, Richard Norton Smith uh, repeatedly. When I worked at a Lincoln Museum some years ago, I did a radio interview along with the person at that time who was my boss's boss, who didn't care for the museum director very much. And uh, during the whole interview, she kept doing all the talking. I didn't say much. And during a final break, I said, don't you think we should mention the director's name? And the boss's boss looked at me and said, do we have to? And uh, I said, well, yeah, I think we do. So I made an enemy there, and then I made—I uh, didn't make any friends because I hadn't mentioned the name enough. So it didn't. Uh, loyalty was not repaid. It didn't work out. But mm. uh, you've done a good job here in in, in mentioning uh, Richard Norton Smith, who fully deserves it. I, I, I'm not being glib when I say that he really is obviously highly qualified to direct the museum. Well, you know, I mean, he, the people who have seen him on TV. Um, that's pretty much what you get. I mean, he he has that. Um, there, there's a certain irreverence there, but also a very bright and and sharp mind, uh, and uh, kind of uh, just a fun person to be around. Uh, just full of of stories and anecdotes, and of course, you know, I mean, he's he's done some amazing um, uh, things in his life. Uh, and also, you know, known uh, a number of of uh, not only presidents but also leading political figures, and has written speeches for them. Has been kind of a ghostwriter. So, uh, uh, and is a wonderful writer uh, in his own right. Uh, anyone who has read uh, any of his, his historical works, uh, whether it be the biography of Colonel McCormick or of uh, Thomas Dewey. Uh, knows uh, how well he writes. He's working on a, a book on the Rockefellers now, is that correct? On Nelson Rockefeller. Nel- Nelson yeah. Rockefeller, okay. Oh. Now, let me keep you on the, the hot seat for a minute here. Uh, you mentioned Harold Holzer, who, who works at the Metropolitan Museum of Art and has written uh, a number of important books on Lincoln. He declined an offer to come to Springfield. Uh, you and I know Harold, and I think it's not unfair to call him the consummate New Yorker. In Springfield, uh, Springfield is a Midwestern town. Uh, I've been there many times. You know it intimately. I'm not sure how well Harold and Springfield would have uh, coexisted. Richard Norton Smith speaks his own mind, as a, as you say, uh, can be uh, amusing and, and irreverent. Uh, how's he doing in Springfield? Well, I mean, well, he hasn't left yet, and uh, you know, which is always a good sign. Uh, but um, you know, I think the the key to succeeding in any community is is that um, you uh, accept it uh, to the degree you can, and then uh, if it gets to be too um, overwhelming, you 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 find a refuge, whether it be. Um, Within the community, or if it means, um, you know, um, taking trips. But uh, I, I don't. I think Richard has. Uh, uh, he came here with a mission, and that was to make this thing succeed and to reverse um, whatever uh, negative uh, public uh, uh, images that, that existed. Uh, uh, and uh, you know, I, I think uh, 
again, he has succeeded uh, admirably. I, I no again, no one has uh, has questioned the professionalism of the institution. We will be we well just one day shy of being open one month. We had our fiftieth thousandth visitor, um, and it looks like by this Sunday. Um, well, that was uh, May 18th. It looks like this Sunday we will hit our 70th thousandth visitor. So the attendance is is um, really uh, on w- well beyond what we we thought it would be in this short period of time. Well, that, that congratulations for that. And anything that brings people into a historical institution is of obvious value. But Getting back to the story about Lincoln himself, your story focuses on Lincoln, on humanizing Lincoln, on telling the story of Lincoln as a person. And there are people who have criticized that or suggested the technology is too glitzy, too Disney-like. John Y. Simon is famous for characterizing the the life-size figures as rubber Lincolns. uh, How do you respond to those critics? Well, I... John's a wonderful guy and a very smart guy and, and uh, a wonderful historian. And no one, no one would deny any of that. His work with the Grand Papers is uh, has set the standard in documentary editing. On the other hand, the first thing that they teach you in um, school, whether it be graduate or otherwise, is that um, you know you you need to do your homework and you need to do. The reading you need to have read the book before you can talk about it. Um, John's criticisms of us have occurred before he had any knowledge of um, our plans. He has yet to see it uh, completed, and so I always have to smile uh, when he keeps throwing uh, charges against us and, and not knowing. Um, how these figures uh, actually work with the historical artifacts and and um, and the other uh, museum uh, techniques that uh, we've employed. The notion of um, representational figures being degrading or diminishing um, Lincoln in any way. Um, it, it, is is meaningless. The people who have been through, whether it be scholars, uh, for example, your mentor, David Donald, David Herbert Donald, uh, went through and thought the museum was wonderful. He thought it worked. He didn't see anything um, irreverent or uh, diminishing in the, the use of the figures and thought they were well-crafted, well-done. Uh, and And uh, actually um, had a very powerful emotional impact uh, that it imparted in understanding the story. And that has been um, seconded by uh, other hi- historians that, that uh, we know, uh, Gene Baker at Goucher, uh, Mark Neely at Penn State. Um, but more importantly, we we have... Uh, high school and middle school teachers uh, who come and 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 see this and 
think that it's wonderful. And, and probably the, the most telling um, segment of our audience are those 25 to 30 percent of school kids, age, uh, grades 4 to 11, that when they come into that plaza area and see the figures and see the recreated cabin and forest from Indiana and White House, they immediately uh, silence and are, are just kind of overwhelmed by the, the, the visual, the powerful visual images that they see. And when they leave the museum, they're talking about what they've seen. They're not talking about, you know, who did what or, you know, who made a fool of himself or herself, but rather they're talking about the museum. And, and what we're hearing from parents is that the next day when they wake up, they're still talking about what they've seen in the museum. Now, all of it, albeit it's anecdotal, but what it's suggesting is that the museum is doing exactly what we hoped it would do, and that it is having an immediate impact, emotional impact with the visitor, and takes them immediately into the story, so that when they're le- they're leaving the museum, they're they're thinking about what they've seen and talking about what they've seen, and that that is carried on even to the next day. This that's certainly a, an important goal. If, if you can achieve that, especially in this jaded, this, this age of jaded audiences of children who've been bombarded with images since they were infants, if you can make such an impact that students come out talking about it, then you've really accomplished something. I, I think. Uh, I hear the music, which says we're going to take another short break, but when we come back, we'll talk more about. Not just the fact that students are talking about it, but what people are saying. What do they actually see in the museum? What do they get from it? What stories does it tell us about Abraham Lincoln? Uh, What alternative stories doesn't it tell us about Abraham Lincoln? There's lots more to talk about with Tom Schwartz, Illinois State historian, here on Civil War Talk Radio. (laughs) 